The Business Report Spotlight is brought to you by Renaissance Health Medical Aid Fund. RMA. Your health comes first. Welcome back to the Business Report. In tonight's Spotlight, I'm talking to Lisa Matamola, an HR consultant, author, job finder coach, executive and management coach, and a business owner. Good evening, Lisa. Good evening. How are you? <laughs> I'm well, thanks. And you? I'm good. That, that's quite a list of accolades that, that you have there. And I mean, we've been seeing you around quite a bit. Your columns are in newspapers. Uh, you're on TV. You're very active on social media. <laughs> so let's go right back to the beginning, to, you know, growing up. Where, where was your youth spent? Um, thank you very much, David. I grew up in the Zambezi region. So that is, I was actually born in Botswana, um, but I grew up in the Zambezi region. That's where I attended my school from primary school um, all the way to high school. Okay. So I spent um, my childhood there. Uh, my my upbringing is, is all about um, in the Zambezi region. Okay. So was it uh, sort of a very outdoors? If I think about the Zambezi region, I, I think about an outdoor lifestyle and, you know, getting to be with nature. Yeah. So I was I was actually in town and out of town um, and semi-urban as well because my parents are teachers. Okay. So when they started, when they were still studying um, at the Caprivi College of Education, um, I was staying with them. So I was going to a primary school there in the Zambezi called Mavoluma Primary School. And I went there until grade six. Um, and my mom started teaching. I remember it was, I think, 1997. Um, and she moved to one of the rural schools um, in, 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 in the Zambezi. And I, I went with her. Uh, and I was there for two years. And my dad started teaching. So when my dad got um, his, his job, it was kind of semi-urban. At least there was electricity <laughs> <laughs> and it was close to town. Um, I had to choose between going to a Catholic school. Um, however, my dad, I'm Catholic, but he was against uh, going to a Catholic school okay. for some other reason. Mm. Because, you know, being far away from your parents, he just felt like yeah. um, it wouldn't work. Um, I was a bit disappointed, but I had to go back um, and, and, and stay with him. So I lived with him. For from grade eight to grade ten, uh, and he was also part of my teachers, so it was quite interesting. Uh, in high school, I came back to town. I attended my high school at Caprivi Senior Secondary School, where I completed my high school. Okay, I, I know it's probably something of a cliche, but hearing that your parents were teachers mm. kind of makes the list of qualifications <laughs> that you have make sense to me because you've you've got qualifications from UNAM, from Stellenbosch. From UCT, when I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to try and list all of them. Yeah. Uh, but is is the fact that your parents were teachers is that what drove you to get so many qualifications, or is that something personal? It's actually both. Um, my dad was very big on academic. Um, he was actually one of the. Remember, he did a program at University of Namibia called MASTEP. Um, and he was one of the cum laude students. He, he furthered his studies until master's level to Rhodes. He didn't complete that because he almost became a politician. Um, but it was it was actually also because of when I finished my studies, when I completed my studies at the university, finding a job in my field was a bit hard. So I just needed to um, add on to what I studied. Okay. Um, and, it, and it became... 
um, interesting because I, I got my honest degree from UNISA and I started working in the HIV AIDS project um, and I realized I fell in love with the field and Zambezi being one of the regions back then that was highly, highly in terms of prevalence rates. Uh, it prompted me and said, I need to study and understand um, what's causing all these, um, what are the factors contributing to the increase in HIV AIDS um, rates in the Zambezi. So I studied at Stellenbosch um, and after that, um, then I, I went to UCT and, and so it's just been that journey of um, wanting to develop myself because um, content keeps changing in universities, mm. curriculum keeps um, um, being upgraded as well, as well and just being in terms of what is the latest trends in terms of, of what's happening. It's quite interesting talking about this. I, I was listening to a podcast this morning about the college system in the United States and they're saying that it's it's broken, it's not working the way that it should be working mm. uh, and one of the opinions there and, and that got me thinking was the sort of utilitarianism of, of, of life and the mm. commodi- commoditization of education, yeah. that we, we're almost going away from education for the sake of education, mm. uh, and it's becoming a lot more targeted and skills targeted. Mm. Uh, as an HR consultant, would, would you still advise people to you know, study for the sake of studying, or would you say that rather focus on developing a skill rather than getting a qualification? To look at um, the future of work, it's it's changing. We're talking about artificial intelligence, automations. The current jobs that we have, um, when you look at the World um, Economic Forum reports, um, the Future of Skills report, they talk about um, new jobs mm-hmm. um, because when we automate, um, we need to create new jobs. So it's not about um, l- losing out on, on opportunities, but also upskilling. So some of the roles that existed 10 years back, even now, five years from now, they will not be there. So why study something that is not going to help you land a job? And we're already um, facing issues in terms of unemployment. So rather being future fit uh, and being employable, because a lot of companies, they are looking for employability skills. And we see from universities and industries that they're also coming together because the industry will say what university is producing, there's no alignment in terms of the skills for the workplace. So bridging that gap and helping graduates um, find those skills. Qualification is one thing, but um, what is um, happening in the, in, the, in, the, in the world of work? What is required? So it's very, very um, important. And if you ask to answer your question, perhaps I'd rather go in terms of what, what are the skills for the future? Because studying is quite an expensive mm. um, journey and, 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 and tuition fees are very, very high lately. Um, so you rather find a job because we're talking about the return on investment. If I put in money to study, I need to get a job so that I can either start supporting the family and also just um, lifting our own lives because the economic um, trends right now is also not conducive. Life just keeps on, on increasing. Yeah. So very, very important is um, aligning. I, I know people probably say what I'm passionate about, um, but most of us, what we wanted to become (laughs) (laughs) at times about paying the bills and then maybe what you wanted to become being it a side hustle or something you do in your spare time. Speaking of of what you wanted to become, uh, have you become what you wanted to become or was there some other dream of astronaut or police? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when you grow up, there were like most common jobs, teacher, nurse, Mm. and my dad said, you're not going to be a teacher. Um, I had an aunt who was a nurse and I wanted to be like her because she was not really like a nurse. She was more projects, you know, 
immunization, okay, so traveled yeah. a lot. She also told me, you're not going to be a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> and one day I was looking at my career choices. I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. My dad wanted me to be a pharmacist. So it was um, my first year I actually studied science, hoping I'll become a, a, a pharmacist. But it wasn't, it wasn't me. So I changed to psychology and I realized the workplace, you know, I'm, I'm more passionate about people and, and, and the workplace. But interesting enough, I used to watch a lot of CNN because when you wake up back then, your dad <laughs> just wants to know what's happening in the world. So we always had CNN and there was a lady, Rosemary Church and and. I'm Christian, I'm on post. Uh-huh. So I loved I love how they reported and I wanted to be a journalist. So currently I am part of the Windhoek City Runners and I'm, I'm the public relations officer. So that uh-huh. kind of fulfills that childhood and I'm always making up funny videos, unofficial, but just pretending to be a reporter. And <laughs> <laughs> so that... Well, yeah. and, and the columns that, that we've seen you have published in the newspaper also, I suppose, fulfills that role a bit. So you've... Kind of jumped my questions a bit there by talking about Vintook City Runners because I wanted to touch on hobbies. Uh, I know you've just recently finished the Sunlam Cape Town Marathon. Uh, So clearly you're a runner. Uh, Do you have any other hobbies, any other things that you do in your downtime? Not that that it looks like you've got much downtime because you seem to be busy all the time. Um, Apart from running, you find me at home watching Netflix shows um, and reading. If I'm not reading, um, writing. So reading and, and, and writing. So I always make a joke. I'm like, I'm not reading as much as I used to, but I'm writing because I'm also writing my second book. So also spending time in terms of, oh, at times I spend time attending web- webinars. You mentioned that you attended a, a podcast in America. So I always want to know what's happening in Nigeria. Uh, what's happening in, in when it comes to job searching. Um, the other day I was listening to a job searching um, um, webinar from America. And I realized, the, the issues are the same. Mm. So I, I, I sp- spend a lot of time w- uh, following up on content in the HR space so that I can be a better advisor either to job seekers or employers in terms of the trends that are in the world. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I believe you speak some Chinese. Ni hao ma. Basic, basic. So when I was in university in my third year or fourth year, um, I, I I enrolled for Mandarin Chinese. You know, was okay. those things. I think back then there was scholarship to go to China. Uh. So my friend and I decided we don't have much happening. So let's um, enroll for, for the course. And I think it was it was very, very affordable through the UNAM um language school. So mm. I did that for, I actually went up to intermediate level, even graduated. Oh. <laughs> so, and, and I have a Chinese name, Limulan. It's a, it's a warrior and coming to see it now actually reflects somebody who was in, a lady, she was, a, I think, first Chinese to be in charge of the war back then. Mm. So, yeah. Is there anything else that uh, people might not know about you? Ah, why do people... I can't swim, although I'm from the Zambezi region. <laughs> I think it's shocking, breaking news. Uh, I can't swim, uh, but it's one of the things I'm, 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 I'm learning how to do. I started teaching myself how to, um, and hopefully next year I'll get a professional um, to, to, to teach me how to, how to swim. Okay, and then it's just a bicycle step and you do triathlon. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights, so that, but I have crazy friends. The, the Windhoek City runners, people are runners, but they do other stuff. Mm. And they, they actually have started, one of my friends actually does now cycling as well. Um, so, but there's the, the five kilometer version of 
the triathlon. Mm-hmm. So I think that will do. Different category. There we go. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned you're writing your second book. Obviously, uh, your first book uh, was titled uh, People First, Hito's Management Handbook. Mm. Why People First? Why People First? I am an HR consultant. Um, I'm also a training facilitator. I interact a lot um, with employees. Sometimes I'm talking to executives. At times I'm talking to um, just employees in lower level position. And it's always either blue collar or white collar employees. And and most of the time, the issues I pick up around um, managing people, um, people either people are not appreciated. Also, managers feel like the employees are not this. So bringing that together and say, um, regardless whether we set targets or forecasts in terms of what we want to achieve, if people are not taken care of, I, I am also a coach. So people tell me why they're leaving their job. Either my work environment is toxic, my manager, I'm not growing, I'm stuck, career stagnation. So in the book, People First, I address all those issues um, in terms of the role of the manager and how to lead, um, how to manage. At times, people are promoted based on their technical know-how uh, and Managing people is not easy because mm. we're managing diverse. We we have almost four demographics in the workplace right now, the baby boomers, the Gen X, millennials, and the Gen Z. So if you're a manager, you might be a millennial managing baby boomers. You might be a Gen X managing um, Gen Z. So how do we manage um, remote hybrid workplaces? Mm. We've seen that during COVID, micromanaging, um, if David is not at the office, he's probably not working. <laughs> <laughs> so your phone will be buzzing. Um, but that kind of stuff. And also allowing employees, it's it's no longer about um, seeing you. You know, we talk about presentism. People don't want, in order for you to innovate or be creative, um, especially in, in industry, for example, like the creative spaces, you don't want somebody breathing under your neck because that takes away um, your creativity. So bringing that out and just creating workplaces that are conducive, because if I wake up in the morning, although my job is stressful, I must still look forward to my job and my work environment and say, um, thank you. And yesterday I, I actually met a group of employees. I was signing books. Um, so when, when when I was signing, they were telling me, um, and there was one book I signed for a leader and, and one of the young ladies told me and said, Lisa, this lady is the reason I am still here. Mm-hmm. And she's been in the company for 20 years. And that one lady or one leader gave her the opportunity. And that is, those are the kind of stories that we, we want um, to hear in a lot of organizations. And I often say that when you develop others, your job will not be taken away. They're not going to come and say they are promoted over you. We actually create jobs for mm. other Namibians. The company grows because now we are um, productive. Our salary increase. We create opportunities and in, in that way also contributing to the economy of this country. You've also written quite a bit and I, I, I remember reading uh, quite a bit of your writing about employee wellness. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the idea of the of the word wellness, we're not talking about just sending sending the employees off to a spa day. Mm. Uh, what exactly is employee wellness as a concept and why is it so important? Um, you know, r- recently we, we actually celebrated World Mental Health mm-hmm. Day um, and the focus is not just on psychological wellness. In, in fact, it's, it's they look at various factors, your financial well, well-being, your social well-being, the relationships um, with, 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 with the team, physical well-being, um, emotional well-being. At times, you know, workplaces, like I said, if somebody is being bullied, 
um, that takes away your joy, your morale, your productivity. And, and, and there's a cliche, again, that says a healthy workforce is a productive workforce. Mm. And we can see in terms of engagement when employees' well-being, just if the one area is not balancing, you know, it should be a balance. When the one area is neglected or is suffering, um, there is a detachment or at times people go through various reasons, you know, either you're studying, you lost a loved one, if it's a, a woman maybe, or even if, even men, you, you as a couple, you had a miscarriage. Um, there's just a lot of stuff. So for some people, um, you're in a car accident, you, you are disabled now. So that integration in, in, in the workplace, um, it does affect. And we want to create in terms of, you know, just not focusing on profits, mm. but on people. The well-being um, of people is is, is, is is important. People should feel that um, where where they work, be it the the chair that I sit. You know, um, recently one lady um, inboxed me on on in Instagram and said, you know, I have special conditions, and I asked my employer even in the interview before they hired me that I can't stand for long, I can't sit for long, and this is a type of setup I need to work in. Um, and they agreed they would do that. But when she was hired and when the moment your wellness is, is neglected um, right now, she feels like she made the wrong choice in terms of her employer. And there are quite a lot of stories I can share disabled employees in the workplace. I mean, right now we are on the third floor. Um, does it accommodate me? Where is my parking? Uh, one of my clients actually said, I was told I can't park there because he's a CEO, but she, she can walk yeah. because she, you know, she needs that short distance, yeah. that kind of stuff. So a lot of that does affect people in the workplace. Okay. Uh, so you've spoken about uh, the running and Netflix and reading as your sort of downtime, but w- what is it? How do you ensure your own wellness? I'm Catholic, like I mentioned. I'm in the choir. Um, so that also kind of re-energizes me. Um, and, and on Sundays, you find me as a Boniface um, Catholic in, in Panias Park where I sing, you know, reconnecting with my maker and, and just saying thank you. Um, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, my own wellness, I, 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 if I feel that I'm overwhelmed, I have a psychologist I go to um, just to talk. Mm. Um, and because sometimes things can, can be too much. And that doesn't mean I'm going crazy. Or <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it just means that, you know, What's happening in my in my life right now? And I have a venting buddy that I talk to almost every day. Um, if I feel demoralized, if I feel like perhaps I'm not good enough, um, at times I switch off. I mean, I just came from um, Cape Town now. I, f- I was feeling tired. And, and when I arrived on Monday and Tuesday, I took the days off. And yesterday I felt like a new person. So I've, I've allowed myself and say, when you're tired, don't quit. But rest. There we go. That's it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Don't quit. Just take a bit of rest, take a bit of downtime, yeah. re-energize and come back stronger. Coming back stronger, uh, you mentioned your next book. Uh, apart from that, what's yeah. next? What is next? Um, so apart from the book, it's, it's really... Um, I think what's exciting is I'm getting the global recognition. So I'm being invited to international conferences. There's one oh. where I need to attend um, almost end of November. So I'm just waiting for confirmation. And I've recently been added to um, um, a, a, a company or a coaching company. It's a global network as well called UVision. Um, all, most of the coaches in, in, in Africa, in the world, 
Um, so we're meeting in Kenya uh, in, in, in December. So those are some of the exciting stuff. So that global recognition and, and just seeing also the book, taking it international um, is actually um, exciting and representing Namibia because when you're out there, we, it's, it's Namibia and we need investors. So people need to come <laughs> to Namibia. Uh, so putting, yeah, putting Namibia on the global stage. Yes, yes. And, and yeah, I suppose if you think about it, you we wouldn't assume that, that HR yeah. would put Namibia on the global stage, but clearly it can. It does because um, last year I was featured in the Namibia Trade Forum book um, and I always receive emails. So they, were, they just put like our numbers and, and, and you know, most either SMEs, companies in, in Namibia. And I receive emails um, of people wanting to invest in Namibia. We saw you in the Namibia Trade Forum book and, and that actually shows that um, Namibia is getting the recognition that they that they need. I might probably not be the right person, but I do um, somehow refer them to the relevant authorities where they can get um, help or assistance in terms of how to invest in Namibia. Well, it sounds like you're getting the recognition that you deserve as well. Like I say, having uh, looked at your journey, having read some of your articles, uh, I, I definitely think that recognition is well deserved. Thank you so much for having taken the time to come and talk to us and we'll carry on watching that journey. Thank you for the invitation. It was really great chatting to you and what a homework you have done on my profile. I'm so <laughs> impressed. <laughs> and I wrote about that this morning on Twitter. Uh, I'm actually, you know, I was telling job seekers when they're looking for jobs, um, knowing about the company. Mm. So you have proven. And <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> the Business Report Spotlight was proudly brought to you by Renaissance Health Medical Aid Fund. RMA. Your health comes first.